Chapter Eleven of No Quarter. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shasta, Oakland, California. No Quarter by Thomas Main Reed. Chapter Eleven three curious characters ye up jinkum ye up the exclamations were accompanied by the thwack of a stick over the hips of a donkey half hidden under a pair of panniers don't press the poor creetur jack it be a hardest climb up the pitch gie it's time but you know winnie the panners be most nigh empty, more's the pity. True of that, but consider how fur's been the day. Seven mile to Monarth, a good full load goin', and same back, when's we be home. Ain't aunt had thing to eat, except the pickin's long the roadside. All the more reason for getting him home soon, I'd lay wager if the animal could speak to say the same might but for all that him's right down tired if him want there would be no need your slappin he don't slap him any more jack well i won't gee up jinkum i ain't a-goin to give ye the stick again another mile and you'll be back to your own bit o pasture in the old orchard whar the grass'll be up to your ears ye up at which jinkum as though comprehending the merciful disposition toward him and grateful for it seemed to improve his pace the speakers were a man and woman both of uncommon appearance the man diminutive specimen of humanity who walked with a jerking gait due to his having a wooden leg the woman was taller than he by the head and shoulders quite while in every other way the usual dimensions of her sex of a somewhat masculine aspect she was withal far from ill-favoured rather the contrary her gown of coarse homespun dust-stained and deliberate could not conceal a voluptuous outline of figure while to have her eyes and hair many a queen would have been glad to give the costliest jewel in her crown the complexion was dark the features of a gypsy type though she was not one the hair a very hatful carelessly coiled around her head black as the wing of a crow the first thought of one beholding her would be what a woman if but washed and becoming clad for both skin and dress showed something more than the dust that day caught up from the road smouches of older date despite all she was a grand imposing personage 
of tireless strength, too, as evinced by her easy, elastic step while breasting that steep pitch on her twenty-second mile since morning. The journey seemed to have had little effect on her, however it may have jaded Jacob. Notwithstanding the disparity in size between the man and woman, a good deal also in their age, he being much her senior, they bore a certain resemblance to one another. It lay in their features and complexion, Jack having a gypsyish look, too, nor any wonder at their being some little alike, since they were not man and wife, but brother and sister, both born foresters. There was nothing in the character of either at all disreputable, though their business was such as usually brings suspicion on those who follow it. Known all over the forest and for miles around as cagers, they trafficked in every conceivable thing by which an honest penny might be made, though their specialty was the transport of fowls with other products of the farmland to the markets of Ross in Mammoth, generally on freight account, taking back such parcels as they could pick up. Rordian was their port of departure and return their home, when they were at home, being a cottage in the outskirts of that elevated village. Rarely, if ever, were Jerky Jack, the sobriquet his gait had gained him, and his big sister seen apart. Winnie, or Winifred, for such was her baptismal name, being a valuable helpmate to him. Some said she was more his master. That day they had been to Mammoth Market, and now, at the late hour of the evening, after sunset, they were climbing Cat's Hill on their return homeward. As already said, there was then no Kern Bridge, and they had crossed by the ferry at Goodrich, a roundabout way to where they now were, but unavoidable, making good the woman's estimate of the distance. Up the remainder of the pitch, Jerky kept his word, and no more stick was administered to Jinkum. But before reaching the summit, the tired animal was treated to a spell of rest, for which it might think a man there met, or rather one who dropped upon them as from the clouds, for he had come slithering down a steep shelving bank that bordered the road, suddenly presenting himself to their view outside the selfage of bushes. Notwithstanding his impromptu appearance, neither showed sign of alarm nor surprise. Evidently they expected him, for but a minute before a sound resembling the call of the green woodpecker, a he-call as known to them, had reached their ears, causing them 
to turn their eyes toward the direction whence it came from the wood where of course they could see nothing but there was a peculiarity in the intonation of the sound telling them it proceeded not from the throat of a bird but was in some way made by a man that the woman knew how and who the man she gave evidence by saying that be rob as she spoke a pleased expression came over her countenance whether rob or no he who so mysteriously and fantastically presented himself to their notice was a man of aspect remarkable as either of them in size a colossus dark complexioned like themselves with full beard and thick shock of brown-black hair standing out around his neck in curls and tangles his coat of bottle green cloth amply skirted and red plush waistcoat showed creased and frowsy as if he had passed the previous night and many preceding it in a shed or under a tree for all there was something majestic in his mane just as with the woman a savage grandeur independent of garb which could assert itself under a drapery of rags as the three came together he was the first to speak more particularly addressing himself to jerky for the sister had a little side business to transact plunging her hand into one of the panniers and bringing forth a basket out of which the neck of a bottle produced well jack what's the news down monarth way was the commencement of the colloquy lots rob enough if they were wrote on paper to fill them panners and load the donkey down jacob's owner was of a humorous turn and dealt in figures of speech often odd and varied as his bills of lading tell us some of them requested rob placing himself in an attitude to listen well proceeded the cager it be most all about politics there now with rumors o war they say be a bruin the market war full of them ruffins from ragland's side lord worcester's people bullyin everybody and threaten it all as wouldn't cry out for the king ay here interposed the big sister with a sneer and you cried it jack shouted till i was afeard you'd split your windpipe that you did and if i did rejoined jack excusing himself how were i to help it if i hadn't they'd a-throttled me maybe pulled off my wooden leg and smashed my skull with and you know what winnie a man who'd a said word their favor of the parliament with a stud good chance of getting tore a limb from them though i hadn't two for em to tear sunderwise i wasn't the fool to go button my head against a wall 
when no good could come out. If I did cry, long live the king, I thinked the contrary, as Rob knows I do. That I do, Jack, right well. A true foreign forester as myself, I knew you had no leaning like as them o monarch and midney royalists and papists who want to make slaves of us both body and soul and keep us toiling for them and their fine dress favorites devil burn em having thus delivered himself the free-born forester dropped conversation with jerky confining it to the sister for which Jack gave them an opportunity, shrewdly guessing it was desired. Once more, saluting Jenkum with a yee-up, he started the animal off again up the hill, himself stumping briskly after. End of chapter 11